I V M. I love you, but I don't like you anymore. I know people do not end up saying things like that. They try to be polite and say something of this effect. They say, "I love you," but uh, um, you know, a long pause, an awkward silence, fill in the blank. Now, whatever point is used to complete that sentence, it doesn't matter. I love you, but I can't stand you. I love you, but you're too loud, too soft, too thin, too fat, too this, too that. It doesn't matter. People feel. that the other person is causing them to fight to a point that they used to love this person but not anymore because being in this relationship makes me feel agitated and angry all the time i'm irritated with you but at the same time i feel irritated about being irritated so it doesn't feel good i do not know how to love you and like you at the same time welcome to absolutely right the very first graphology based podcast show in india i'm your host aditi sarana i'm a graphologist and a high performance coach as you may know we are in the middle of our tough relationship conversations on our friday episodes uh, and today is part 4 of this five part series we started on episode number 90 with a light topic like what is your love language in episode 92 we spoke about is he the one five signs you're meant to be together and 94 where we spoke about a breakup cannot break you but i must confess today's topic about being in love and still fighting with your partner is the toughest one as of now and i mean it most people think couples are strong when they fight big challenges like financial crisis medical emergency legal battles and some unexpected problem with the kids but i feel it's other way around the biggest battles begin with most crucial issues in the house like toilet seat up or down wet towel on the bed or not was this parking perfect oh, no no i don't think so and so many other irritating factors like these when couples face external calamity they behave like political parties you know when a nation is at war the opposition parties come together who are generally at loggerhead and keep their differences aside to deal with the situation function like a team man the very moment the war is over they back to their original self and they start fighting and disagreeing and and all other things the same thing is applicable to couples after my divorce which was rather early at 30 i came across joe piazza's book with the longest title ever how to be married what i learned from real women on five continents about surviving my first really hard year of marriage that all was a title technically it was too late to read that book but i read it anyways my personal experience and this book genuinely got me interested in the toughest part of human nature and relationships fights and disagreements in that period my work and some coaching certification programs made me travel to several countries on each trip i took out some time to interview and graphologically analyze couples these interviews had only two prerequisites the couple should have survived each other for more than 10 years at least and they should have that you know beautiful feeling that twinkle in their eye when they spoke about the other person i didn't expect much from this experiment to be very honest but in the last 6 years i have managed to meet some really really wonderful people couples from different walks of life they were from different cultural backgrounds ethnic origins some were married too early some too late a few were gay 
and others were unmarried but committed. One couple adopted three kids. Several couples never had kids. In one case, one partner was a star performer and her husband decided to take a back seat from his thriving career. One of them was a popular power couple. Like our Absolutely Right Wednesday episode, my interviews were based on their personalities and differences. With their handwritings in front of me, I knew exactly where the shoe pinched. Talking to people with a tool like graphology by your side is like reading an open book. You know, beyond all the social norms, the politically right things, you can see through the facade. You can have those beautiful, genuine, heartfelt, vulnerable, honest and earnest conversations. I can do this for life. After talking to so many people, I realized there is no one formula to a happy marriage or a happy relationship. Different couples have different ground rules. Not all will be applicable to you. But as I go through today's seven points, pick at least one or two of them which are applicable to you or you would like to implement them in your relationship. Please experiment. Some of them sounded weird to me initially. But as I suggested them to my clients who were dealing with relationship conflicts, to my surprise, it made complete sense to them. My favorite relationship expert, Esther Perel, has written a book called Mating in Captivity. She explains the nature of couple fights in a prolific way. She says, fights will happen. They must happen. Remember one thing. You are never fighting about the things that you think you're fighting over. The problem is not as much in the fights, but in the repair. Yes, the relationship is built or broken on the basis of your ability, or rather your inability, to repair the disharmonious parts of your relationship. According to her, each conflict is based on one of these three issues. And if you pay close attention, you can really break your fights into these three buckets. First, power and control. Second, closeness and care. And third, respect and recognition. These three points are worth pondering about in your journaling time. You know, take any fight with your husband, wife, even with your ex and ask yourself, what were you genuinely fighting for? Was it power and control? closeness and care, or respect and recognition. If you do this over and over again and start categorizing your fights in one of these three buckets, you will realize that you can trace a pattern. A pattern which has nothing to do with the other person. It's completely yours. You can own it, you can change it, and you can really go beyond it. Let's go to today's seven points that I have learned from these wonderful couples. Point number one, listening is not agreeing. Most people do not understand this. They feel if they listen, that implies that they're agreeing to their mistakes or agreeing to that annoying point of view that other person has. They start avoiding the conversation from the very beginning, believing that it's a trap. But the point is, more they avoid the conversation, the more escalated the fights become. Most couples reported this. They might not be great listeners otherwise. But when it comes to their partner, they are attentive, involved, and they do maintain a steady eye contact. Point number two, confirmation bias. Author Maria Papua says, We mistake differences for defects. We look at our partners from our idea of right and wrong, good and bad, correct or incorrect. When we do not understand something about their choices, preferences, or even their personality, we blatantly label it as wrong. And once you create that label, then all you do is look for evidence to prove your point. For example, If you have labeled your partner as a disorganized person, after that label is put, every single sock on the floor, 
every book that is left open, every single mug that is not picked up becomes your, oh my God, didn't I tell you so? Moment. Not worth it. In our graphology masterclass, people look at their partner's signature and handwriting and experience some aha moments. After 12, 18, 20 years of being together, suddenly they realize that they never understood certain aspects of their partner's husband's wife's personality and so many fights happen only because of this misunderstanding. Point number three, bickering maybe or mostly is the sign of sexual dissatisfaction. Sexual intimacy is not in the act, but in that vulnerable, safe space with one another. The sexual act without intimacy turns mechanical, increasing the divide between the two partners. Borrowing from the previous point, when you sense that negative label or judgment in your partner's eyes, the intimate space turns unsafe. Now the truth is, sexually disconnected people grow bitter and more and more resentful towards each other. Remind yourself, a judgment or a label is merely an opinion and opinions can change. Point number four, learning to apologize. The other day, my 43-year-old client said, she got more upset as I said sorry. I think I said it too early in the fight. She blamed me for being ingenuine. I asked him, were you? After thinking a bit, he reluctantly admitted, Yeah, I was actually trying to avoid the fight early in the morning. In the Absolutely Right episode number 48, I presented six ways to say sorry and meet it. Point number five, trigger phases. Oh, this one is a gold mine. Each one of us has trigger points and trigger phases. Pressing your partner's triggers or buttons to win an argument is tempting but counterproductive. The question is, Is it really worth winning an argument at the cost of losing a person? I'm not saying you're the only person doing this. I'm sure you are getting triggered too. At this point, I would like to borrow Esther Perel's line. It takes only one person to repair a relationship. You can start with your own triggers. Know your triggers' predictable patterns. See how your body and mind functions uncontrollably when you get triggered. As I always say, if you can detect a pattern, you can break it. Your partner might be stepping onto your soul and thumb. For sure, I agree. But it won't hurt as much if it is not stolen from within to begin with. Take charge of your reactions consciously. Point number six, be your own sunshine. Being needy and clingy can turn an intoxicating love experience into a toxic one. I heard this more than once. Be willing to lose it all. It blew my mind. How being willing to lose it all or being willing to walk away from a relationship can become a key to stay in a long-term relationship? I asked. But it is. When your happiness depends on someone else's opinion, approval, permission or even their presence, then firstly, you'll get addicted to your partner's presence and reactions. And in no time when you do not get the same reactions, you will show withdrawal syndromes. One old lady said, Be in love as much as you like, Aditi, but know that you are a complete whole person who can not only sustain but flourish by yourself. Do not divorce yourself to be in a marriage or a relationship ever. Point number seven, keep the problem in front of us. Jay Shetty mentioned this in one of his YouTube videos and that simple thought remained with me, especially reminded me of 53-year-old Karen who shared how she dealt with her husband's alcoholism. She said, I knew we had to fight this together. 
he could have done it on his own but i wanted my kids to learn how to love and respect their father i didn't judge him every time he relapsed though it was tough because i knew it was clearly his choice to do so but i kept telling him and myself that we are a team and the problem is in front of us and i won't let it come between us it took 3 and a half years of rigorous efforts for them to get out of his addiction have you heard of this 13th century poet amir khusro he once wrote khusro darya prem ka so ulti va ki dhar jo ubhara so doob gaya jo dooba so par in a rudimentary way if i have to translate it the river of love runs in strange directions the one who jumps into it drowns and the one who drowns gets across there is no destination in love being in love is about being loving and having a sweet joyful fulfilling experience in your mind and your body you can never crack the code with one single formula but rather make sure that you give your best shot in every single moment the struggle the power the beauty of being in love is not without these fights but actually in spite of them thank you so much for joining me on this episode of absolutely right in this lovely romantic month of february we thought of adding graphology to your relationship give your partner a gift of understanding and empathy attend a relationship workshop called rediscover yourself in love at 3 pm on 14th of feb or if you like you can also book one on one sessions which are graphology based specially designed for couples called you and i all the details are available on my website aditisurana.com and if you want to take the journey further and dive into my fascinating world of graphology and study personalities and understand your partner at a deeper level join me for my graphology masterclass a new batches start on the first saturday of every month our next two batches are starting on 6th of feb and 6th of march if you like this podcast then do not forget to check out other interesting podcast on ivm network you can listen to us on ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at ivm podcast on twitter instagram and facebook let's connect on wednesday till then happy writing i hope you enjoyed that show if you aren't following us on social media please do we're ivm podcast on twitter facebook and instagram Like to thank the sponsors on the network this week Storytel and the Whole Truth Foods. Thank you for supporting us. So, great week on the network again this week. Definitely do check out the Pragati podcast. Pavan spoke to Krishna Shok, they discussed science, knowledge and the wonder of Indian home cooking. Staying in the realm of food on this round is on me. We had Adi's thing as a guest Gauri and Adi discussed the 10 years anniversary of the table along with the 20 year anniversary of Olive. So two of Bombay's biggest restauranteurs have a conversation about the restaurant business. All Things Policy celebrated 500 episodes on January 27th. Manoj talks to Aditya Anirudh about the surprising origins of the podcast, its evolution over the last few years, and its exciting future. This episode also marks the video debut, so definitely do check that out on YouTube. On Storytellers and Storytellers, Vineet talks to Ranjit Pratap Singh. Ranjit is the co-founder and CEO of Pratilipi. Pratilipi is a company that's recently acquired IBM. And Ranjit on this episode discusses his plans to build a homegrown media empire, his love for comics, and how India can have its own comic cinematic universe. 
And finally, Cyrus had an exciting week. We had some amazing guests this week. We had Vishal Gundal come and talk about 4G. We had Atish Tathir talk about the various issues that he had been facing with his OCI card and other things like that. We had Adam Dow talk about things going on in the US and like, you know, the evolution of what's happening there. We had Siddharth Kanan come and talk about his history with Cyrus and his new show. So definitely do come check that out as well. And with that, I hope to see you again next week. 2020 is a difficult year. A global pandemic, protests, elections, recessions, you get the picture. What we need is a space where we can have nuanced discussions about global affairs and foreign policy. That's where I come in. My name is Hamsini Hariharan and I host the States of Anarchy podcast. Every second Tuesday, I speak to experts in the field of international relations to make a little more sense of the world. So join me on the IBM podcast app, website, or wherever you're listening to me right now.